So hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 119 now of Level Up, 60 minutes of live Q&A, where your questions really do drive the show. Today, Ella and Shanice are over in the chat, so do please let them know your name and, of course, the city from where you are joining. And uh, Robert Rennie, um, from up in Scotland in Troon, um, you're most welcome for getting in absolutely early and first today in the social chat. Now then, um, they're going to post a link into the chat so that you can vote up the questions that you would most like answered, and of course, for you to add your own as well. Now, if your question is selected, then your name's going to appear in the credits at the end of the show. So do get them in early and stay with us to see all of that happen. As we approach the end of the year, we're going to spend a little bit of time today reflecting on 2022, all the things that have happened and you know what's been going on in our professional lives. And we're going to look behind the scenes a little bit of Level Up and hopefully get to know some of our panellists um, even better. So whatever you have in mind for your New Year's resolutions and next year, do let us know in the chat and get your questions in early. We've got a fantastic panel today from all over the world. So let's jump across and meet them straight away. Bev Andrews is the Director of Aspire Change Management, and they enable their clients to embrace and manage change effectively. With extensive experience in the fields of organisational change, Bev has worked across industries and, of course, in government as well. So welcome back to Level Up, Bev. Lovely to see you. Thanks, Nick. It's lovely to be here. Excellent. Okay, thank you very much. Farah Heber is a product owner, of course, and trainer over at Edger, and uh, she's developed her skills in digital project and product management. Um, empowering teams, I think, is at the heart of how she works, from conceptualization through to benefits realization, that whole kind of project life cycle. Welcome back to Level Up, Farah. Lovely to see you. Hi, Nick. Hi, everybody. Uh, really looking forward to answering the question today and delighted to be here. Okay, thank you so much. Louise Leung joins us from Western Australia in Perth. She's the managing partner, of course, at Lifting Lanterns, where she enjoys coaching and mentoring across the project delivery space, having clients, um, I think, pretty spread out, actually, beyond Australia into um, you know the wider region of uh, Southeast Asia. Louisa has uh, witnessed firsthand how to bring energy, enthusiasm, and excitement to the clients that she works with day in, day out. <coughs> Welcome back to Level Up, Louisa. Thanks, Nick. It's good to be here along with my magic wand today. And uh, it's can't believe it's the end of the year already. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, if you can if you can kind of make time stand still for us a little bit, I've still got rather a long list of things to do <laughs> waiting yes. for me to get through them before the end of the year. So waving for thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. Melanie Oldham returns to the panel today as the CEO of Bob's Business, of course. She has a passion to demystify cybersecurity and encourage everybody to embrace leading practice in that space. Melanie is also the catalyst behind several community-driven projects, including the Yorkshire Cybersecurity Cluster. Welcome back to Level Up, Melanie. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me again. And nice to, to be here with all the other panellists. Uh, I can't believe it's like Louise. I can't believe a whole year's gone. It's flown by. Just even looking at photos of what's been achieved, it's been incredible. But like you, I could do it a little bit longer. <laughs> it's certainly true, isn't it, really? One thing that's happened to me this year is I think I've been injected more times than any other year in my life, apart from perhaps when I was an infant. I'm not sure, but I seem to have been inoculated against a whole variety of different things this year, but there we go. Um, Diane Rampadareth completes our panel today. She is, of course, Assistant Director of Public Service of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago, where she focuses on implementing agricultural development programs. Diane has a passion for sustainable development and champions this through her work in rural electrification. Diane, welcome back to Level Up. Lovely to see you. Thanks very much, Nick, and APM International for the opportunity to appear on the panel and coming from an emerging market and developing economy, as well as a small island development state. I became very interested in the field of economics and sustainable economic development. And I'm looking forward to some very interesting questions about sustainable development. Thank you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And it's so relevant for, I think, all of us, you know, at the moment, thinking about the projects that we're going to be becoming involved with and shaping those and so on to really think about sustainability. So very good. Thank you uh, very much indeed. Our question master for today is Sachitra, who joins us from um, the city of Bangalore in southern India. Um, Hi, Sachitra. How are you today? Hi, Nick. And hi, everyone. I'm doing well. Thank you. All right, excellent. Well, look, we've got um, a tremendous number of people already online um, joining in with the chat and and getting ready for today's episode. So um, welcome to everybody who's uh, over on social media. Um, I can see that we've got a lot of questions as well, Sachitra. So why don't we jump in and we'll take our first question. We have a question. Our first question is from Ryan. What one piece of advice would you give to someone just about to leave their education and start their career? Okay, who would like to start us off, panel? Uh, Farah, why don't you begin with your thoughts? Thank you, Nick. Uh, Well, it's uh, a kind of great question. I would say to Ryan, first, uh, do not think that all what you have learned so far, political perspective, I mean, will apply in reality. Otherwise, you'll be shocked. And uh, second, I would say, try to, let's say, find a mentor if you can. And I can share a bit of personal experience uh, for this one. Um, I used to work with a senior project manager uh, when I first started. And it was really interesting to see what tools she used, uh, the way she dealt with changes and critical topics, the communication channels she used. And it inspired me a lot. It had me to set goals and to highlight the gaps that I had in my uh, product management knowledge. Uh, She also gave me a lot of valuable feedback and constructive criticism, which helped me to uh, avoid, I would say, rookie mistakes. So two, uh, let's say, insights for me. First, do not think that what you have learned so far is exactly the same as what you are going to find out out there. And second, try to find a mentor if you can. Okay, some great advice there. And thank you very much, Farah, for kind of starting us off on that thinking. Um, Beth, your thoughts, please. And then we'll hear from Diane. Um, So I think firstly, be very patient with yourself and the people that you are starting to meet in your career. Um, And uh, what I'm referring to there is that when you come out of education, you've usually got lots of exciting ideas and you're really um, absolutely thrilled to sort of present those ideas and be innovative and change the world. Um, And people have been in organisations or in the workplace for a little while, um, can find it a little bit tedious. So just be patient with yourself and with others around you so that you can um, uh, listen and learn and and be understood. Um, And don't try to expect it all to be achieved in in a year. You you work for a long time. So um, just just learn to sort of um, uh, cement some of what you learn in real life and master that. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much. It's hard to be patient, though, when you're young. <laughs> it's something that comes with age, I think, to be honest. Um, I still feel that I've, I, I've, I've got a personal development goal there to be more patient, but um, never mind. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Diane, your thoughts, please, and then uh, Louisa. So some advice that I can offer is to engage in continuous learning so that you engage in holistic development. You build your network and also be a team player. And also just because your career path may be different from someone else, it doesn't mean that you're lost. It just means that you're forging your own career path. Okay, thank you very much. It's such an important part, isn't it, to kind of think about that CPD right from the outset and allow yourself some Mm -hmm. time to construct that in your day-to-day work. Um, Louisa, your thoughts on this? The ladies have said wonderful stuff. And the big thing I actually want for people who's finishing studies and going to the job is to understand that learning from a textbook is quite different to learning on the job. And so they've got to actually get in there and be a sponge and just soak up whatever opportunity they get. And don't say no to it. Go and get yourself exposed to it all. Sponge it all up. Learn on the job. And don't be afraid to actually say, I don't know it. Because the problem is sometimes you come out and people get high distinctions and these awesome scores and they think they know everything. 
And the reality of textbook versus on the job is actually quite different. Mm, I certainly agree with that. I think, you know, particularly if you get a role, you know, working with clients in your early career, then, you know, um, bring that energy and enthusiasm, you know, inject Mm -hmm. that into the work that you're doing. But um, do it with a degree of humility so that you know that you're, you know, listening and responding, um, you know, with curiosity, but at the same time, respectfully um, throughout, because you you may well have thought ahead and and believe very passionately that you have the answer to a particular problem, um, but that might not be from the context that everybody else is working in. So some great advice to start us off. And um, the one thing that I would say, Ryan, is that it's a fabulous position to be in. The world truly is your oyster, if you think about it, because you have every opportunity ahead of you to be able to craft a truly meaningful, professional career so every best wish and with that thank you very much indeed panel what a great question to get us going so let's move on to Chitra if we can we'll take our next question please your question from Jack what have the panelists learned from level up in 2022 (laughs) okay (laughs) Diane what have you learned from appearing on level up and then we'll hear from Farah (laughs) Certainly, I've learned how to use a professional approach to disseminating technical information, but with a human touch. For example, there's always acknowledgement of the participants as well, indicating that, okay, we appreciate your question. We acknowledge that you've asked this particular question. And there's also some phrases that I learned, such as confident humility. So irrespective of what you do, you need to be humble, but confident as well. Okay, so it's and it's an interesting combination, isn't it, to try and get that right, you know, every day, and <laughs> and you know, really kind of engage with people. So um, thank you very much, Diane. Some great thinking there, um, and appreciate you sharing that. Uh, Farah, your thoughts on this, and then we'll hear from Bev. Um, well, I heard I I learned a lot during twenty twenty two. First, I would say that. I love that insights and feedback from peers are essential to progress and to expand your views and your knowledge. And second, I would say that challenging, I learned that challenging yourself will always help you evolve and question yourself, uh, criticize your knowledge, uh, to which extent you master some topics uh, versus others, etc. So uh, I would keep in mind two things, peers, uh, let's say point of view sharing and challenging yourself. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much. Some great takeaways. And um, thank you for your very strong contribution throughout the year as well, Farah. It's been really excellent. Um, Bev, what have you learned from from Level Up other than trying to get up in the middle of the night and, <laughs> and shorten in from your time zone? <laughs> There were a couple of those sessions and I did learn that a a mug of tea looks like a mug of tea no matter what you put in it um, at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. So that was one of my secrets. Um, Just repeating what the other panellists said, I think you just learn so much about yourself. You stretch yourself a little bit. So technology is quite often not my friend. But, um, you know, you really put yourself out there when you do any type of public speaking. Um, And these types of events you can't really plan for because you get the questions given to you as as our participants um, join in. So I think um, my biggest thing has just been that – you just take your time, you learn, you grow, you build some confidence. There's no such thing as a silly question. I think I've earned, I've asked most of them this year and I'll probably cap that off next year. But I think it's um, it's been the professionalism of actually doing this event, which is why I've wanted to come back and come back and come back because I get as much, if not more, enjoyment out of participating um, as a panellist um, than I think as a contributor because it's just it's professional and so much good fun. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely echo that, Bev. Thank you so much indeed. Um, Louisa, you're um, thinking about what you've learned this year, and then we'll hear from Melanie. Yeah, and I think just looking back, the biggest thing overall is just the fact that on every session I've been, I'm still learning. 
and I'm learning from others. And the fact is, even though I'm here as a panelist to give answers to other people's questions, I'm actually learning at the same time. So I think the big thing for people to always realize is that we're constantly learning and we're always learning. So never give up on that journey of learning. Mm, it's it's absolutely true, isn't it? It's really difficult to get through an episode without two or three key takeaways, you know, to be able to apply in our professional lives. Um, Melanie, what are your thoughts on this? So for me, it's an incredible set of contacts. I've met some wonderful people on here and everybody with a different insight to show that, you know, when we come from diverse backgrounds, we have a diverse opinion that actually we can all learn from. So that's one. And have to, to be there and be prepared you say the questions that are ad hoc it's actually what do you actually know and it's bringing out what is passionate you know again for anybody entering into the jobs market just be passionate just just know what you care about and don't worry about what you don't know because you know everybody's a background that everybody's looking forward to hearing from so they've been my, my two main points yeah, I, th- I think you're you're absolutely right there. People's passion for a subject comes across very clearly because then they can be their authentic, true self, and you can express that passion, and others will will be infected by it. It's an infectious thing. It lifts everybody up then because there's new energy kind of in the in the room and the space. Um, I, 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 I agree, panel. I think one of the things that has been the power of Level Up has been this multidisciplinary approach. It's a very inclusive um, space. It's a very safe space for us all to come and kind of work together and learn together and so on. And um, by having people of different backgrounds from different countries in the world, um, it gives us a more holistic way of being able to look at complex problems. And I certainly have been hugely inspired by the diversity and the inclusiveness of the groups that the talent management team have been able to assemble for each of the panels. So uh, a huge shout out, actually, to the team who've been doing talent management throughout the year and finding interesting people around the world for us to be able to connect (laughs) with and learn from um, throughout 2022. I think you've done an amazing um, job altogether. um, I think we've had about 170 now, a few more actually probably, 170 or so panellists have actually appeared um, on the show from pretty much every continent, although we are yet to have anybody from the Antarctic survey team. So if you're watching us on YouTube and you have you have the capacity to join us uh, for an episode, it's the summer, so you might have a little bit of time coming up soon, um, and you're on the uh, an- Antarctic um, um, survey team, then, you know, drop us a note and let's see if we can get you involved very good excellent thank you very much indeed panel um Sachitra, let's move on let's take our next question please we have a question from sam looking back over the previous 12 months have you noticed any significant changes or trends in your field change management project management etc all right. So significant changes. I think one of them for me has been that the um, the debate has become more polarised uh, between uh, waterfall project managers and agile project managers, particularly on social media. It seems that you now have to be one or the other, and there's no middle ground at all. Now that I would I would argue actually the con- the absolute opposite of that that everything is somewhere on a spectrum, and that we live our lives and we do our work somewhere on a continuum of agility and so therefore it depends what it is that you're doing at the time i don't get this kind of you know two tribes kind of mentality between you know agile project management and waterfall project management and bev start us off please and then we'll hear from louisa yeah no i agree with you there nick um and i've purposely sort of push back on some of my LinkedIn posts during the year because it's not about one or the other. Certainly in the change field, there's been a lot of um, high profiling around where you use lean change management, for example, um, or just using one type of methodology. And if you think of the types of changes that we've experienced, not just in the past 12 months, but in the last couple of years, um, you need to be adaptable and you do actually need to um, to reuse old stuff. Um, you need to be open to new ideas. Um, but the biggest trend I've I've personally experienced is um, 
more of an uptake of people actually wanting to learn more about change management um, through the APMG Foundation course and not just for change people. In fact, it's the peripheral roles, so project teams, HR teams, um, communications leads um, and business leads actually want to un wanting to understand how they can lead and um, introduce change in a in a to get a better positive outcome so for me that's probably been the biggest trend I've seen is that investment in individual and team capability uplift okay thank you very much indeed really good point there's been a real resurgence you know around this whole area of change and managing change and so on um Far uh, louisa rather uh, what are your thoughts then we'll hear from farah i think uh, you nailed it before about the whole agile and waterfall thing but i think we're kind of starting to move away from looking at methodologies and frameworks and the biggest trend i've seen this year is organizations saying they're moving away from projects together and starting to move mm. into product spaces where they want to move the whole organization into uh, continuous teams, squads, whatever they want to call those tribes, as long as it's a product line. And they're starting to see that it's no longer about different departments so like IT projects or another department's projects or a HR project or a marketing project. It's just about the fact that the organization needs to change and go on that change that Bev was just talking about. And how do we bring that change on in the organization as easy and as quick as possible? And so they're looking at how do we line up the organization into product spaces and how to look at that new world where it's no longer about projects. Mm, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because there's been this conversation for some time. You know, can you can you reframe things, you know, into a more product-oriented, you know, kind of uh, view and a product-oriented organisation? So that's going to be fascinating, I think, as we go into 2023. Um, Farah, what are your thoughts, please? And then we'll hear from Diane. Well, uh, what I see more and more is that um, I would say that people are looking for more ways to uh, develop the feeling of belonging to a team, to a company, uh, considering that people are no longer 100% on site and that virtual teams tend to become uh, the new norm. So especially in product management, in, in agile project management, we're looking at people that want to find out some ways to develop communication, to develop uh, the feeling of belonging somewhere, of having a real team, uh, even if they do not see people out there. And I've had uh, one of the people that attended one of my trainings lately that told me I've been working with people for over two years and I haven't even seen them because in our company, due to security issues, we cannot even start our cameras. So if I meet them out there in a retail shop or something, I won't even be able to say, OK, I work with this person for at least two years. So today, this is something that I see that people are trying to foster trying to figure out how to be part of a team or how to figure out, let's say, a team mindset uh, or uh, a team belonging mindset. Mm, I'm going to come um, to Melanie in a little while to kind of talk about this whole area of sort of privacy and, you know, um, security and, and, and in the cyber world, because um, a lot of trends are really about, you know, bringing much more automation and much more um, artificial intelligence or enhancement, you know, to what it is that we're doing. And that's going to drive, I think, a lot of business in the next, you know, two, three, two to three years time. So thank you, Farah, very interesting on that about balancing, you know, the need for, you know, security and privacy within that kind of context. Um, Diane, what are your thoughts first? And then we'll come to Melanie. So with a focus on digitalization and the digital economy, there's also a refocus on soft skills because in, even in implementing a digital project, you still, still need to manage people so that your project is successfully implemented. And also there's a focus on data and artificial intelligence, which can inform data-driven decisions so that you ensure that whatever decision is taken can benefit your organization. Mm. It's very important to get that human dimension in there, isn't it? Um, Melanie, your work kind of straddles these worlds of, you know, data and privacy and, you know, automation and, and managing organisations effectively. Um, what are your thoughts? What has been the trends really in your world? Yeah, 100%. So what we have is obviously greater connectivity in terms of projects and teams, which has been brilliant because it's allowed us to be able to bring um, individuals who 
you know, historically couldn't necessarily be part of that collective group and huddle can actually connect through, you know, through environments in which they're comfortable. So we have a lot of uh, neurodiverse individuals whose minds, particularly when it comes to problem solving, can work on projects in the comforts and space that suits them and their their working minds and how they can most, you know, in, um, encourage to, to do the best and, and use their skills. I think there's an element, obviously, a security point of view. There's a lot more connected devices, a lot more potential risk and exposure. But what that has led to is actually more and more teams are actually building cybersecurity and risk and assessment, both from an opportunity and risk point of view into their projects. And I think historically that used to sit with the um, the information security officer or the security teams, whereas actually now projects have to own that. You know, they actually have to consider information security as part of all their operations. But what information are they sharing? What impact would it have if there was a, a breach? So on and so forth. So I think accountability and ownership has changed quite significantly because it actually now features in a lot more projects than it did historically as I say but also that diverse element of a lot more people are being brought into teams because there is the ability to not have to physically be in one space so you can pull in resource from from all, all locations and uh, as I say and have better outcomes by having more diversity. And, you know, you've touched on something which is really at the heart of the vision for Level Up because, you know, in this context, we have, um, uh, we all have a primary, you know, kind of discipline, if you like, our passion in life. We might be a project manager, we might be leading change, we might be, you know, a technical expert, we might be somebody that does, you know, amazing stakeholder management, communication, these sorts of things. But it's necessary for us to become much more rounded individuals and hybridize our experience and our understanding so that we can set about transformational change safely in a, in a, uh, uh, in a in the kind of landscape where we have all of these threats and so on, so um, it's a really important part of how level up kind of works is so that we can build out our understanding and and kind of go sideways, if you like, a little bit more from our primary discipline. Let's jump across and see who we've got online. Robert Rennie, you were first fastest finger first today, um, my friend, uh, joining us from Troon in Scotland. So um, thank you very much for uh, joining in with us today. It's really great to see you online. Thank you for your contribution so far. And we've also got um, Yash Dave as well with a, a very emphatic hello. <laughs> so hi, hi Yash. Thank you very much indeed for kind of joining us there. Short and sweet, but there we are. All right. Very good. Um, Idara, thank you so much. Um, I know that you're a regular um, uh, viewer to Level Up and it's brilliant to have you online again from West Africa in Abuja in Nigeria. So fantastic. And um, we also have uh, Isao joining us from Zambia. Um, so yes, Isao, the recordings are always available, my friend. You can go over to our uh, YouTube channel, the APMG International YouTube channel, and you'll find all of Level Up, all 119 episodes actually, available as a bit of a back catalogue for you to be able to go through. And we'll touch on that a little bit more in a wee while. Yes, Melanie. Things. I think that's probably been one of the most significant things for me in 2022 is my ability to be able to make the most use of my time. So try, kind of doing a balancing and levelling up of, of my own behaviours and habits. So when I go out for a walk, I can listen to previous episodes or if I'm driving in the car. So I feel like I'm constantly, when we're talking about lifelong learning, it's been an incredible opportunity to access all the things that weren't so readily available uh, pre-COVID. -pre so for me, it's, it's yeah, a really uh, great addition. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I don't think that pre-COVID we would have had the, the vision to be able to twice a week bring people and connect them up from every continent right, and just join mm -hmm. people together mm -hmm. in the way that we do. And um, the technology is fabulous, really. You know, every single question has been chapter marked. Every single question is available on the international, APMG International website. And you can search through every episode by just typing in a few words and you'll find all of the questions that mention those words. So you've got this um, incredible aggregate now of text mining, um, of uh, things like Google search, of keyword search, and so on, together with rich media answers. And um, if you're a fan of learning as I am, uh, TikTok is an amazing platform, isn't it, to be able to pick up. How do you actually do that? It's huge, 
volumes now of learning content being generated <laughs> in rich media and hosted on a whole variety of different platforms, whether it's uh, TikTok or YouTube or Vimeo or you know whatever it is. All right, so very good. Thank you very much indeed. It's a great point, um, Melanie. The uh, podcast version is one that I do listen to quite a lot when I'm out and about walking, walking the dog. I have a little dog, so it's quite a good actually format to be able to you know listen and learn some new stuff as you're out and about. Very good. Thank you very much indeed. And Shanice, yes, the hunt is on for anybody who's truly in Antarctica, please. <laughs> okay. Can't just claim to be. Um, but there we are. All right. It's not about having a snowing backdrop or anything like that. It's about genuinely being uh, very good. Let's move on then. Let's take our next question, Suchitra, if we may. We have a question from our LinkedIn live viewer, Wondimo. What is expected in Level Up 2023? All right, okay. Why, Diane, why don't you start us off on this? So some of what I expected is a continuous focus on the strategic factors which can help organizations with their strategic outlook for 2023, as well as achieving their competitive sustainable advantage and also continued focus um, on some of the strategic thematic areas for organizations to build their future preparedness. Thank you very much, Adina. I think you're, that you're right there. You know, the team have been really looking at um, which episodes have um, generated the most engagement you know, with our audience and therefore what are you really looking for next from the Level Up team? Um, so we have some very popular episodes that we are, you know, quite keen to be able to explore a little further. Some of the questions that have been raised, we've just run out of time on. So we're going to drill down on those. And um, there is also some work that we're doing to build out the level of engagement and interactivity. You're already starting to see that we're able to bring in you know, comments and chat from LinkedIn into the show itself. And we'll be reaching out with more ways for you to be able to engage as an audience um, with us in real time and bring that connection ever closer you know, to the panelists and bring everybody into a safe learning space. And mm -hmm. um, one other thing that will come next year is um, the launch of um, digital badges for social contribution. So as you know, APMG has been a pioneer in um, moving across from paper-based certificates to a digital secure um, badge, which allows you to um, confirm that you've received a certain qualification and achieved a certain standard. And so we're going to be extending that into um, the world of uh, social media contribution. And if you're joining in with Level Up, then you can look forward to um, earning uh, points towards those kinds of awards as we look increasingly to enable organizations to collaborate in real time with each other. So plenty to look forward to, I think, in 2023. And um, uh, I think the new um, uh, list of events is well underway and will be posted up on our website very soon. Um, we're going to be starting from week commencing the 9th of January, I think, is um, the first episode. So do look forward to that. Very good. So, um, Suchitra, if we can, um, let's move on, please. We'll take our next question. We have a question from Lisa Flock. What are the most important things people should consider if they think about changing their career path? Okay, all right, the most important things. Um, Melanie, why don't you start us off and then we'll hear from Diane. For change, what's your reason for change? Is it simply because you, you're, you know, you're not challenged or you don't love? So think of the reasons why you're changing, first of all, and what is it that you're hoping to find? Uh, so be open to things and think about what is your passion and try and follow your passion. Because if you can do that, then the, the career move is always an enjoyable one. So find something that you love would be, would be my advice. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Um, Diane? So you can, you can look at a career path where there's growth for personal development as well as intellectually challenging. And also given that we have the COVID-19 pandemic and economies are going through recessions, in changing your career, you can look at industries that are a bit recession-proof because there are some industries that are negatively affected by recession, for example, the retail, hotel, restaurant industries. 
So in changing, you may want to consider some aspects about the industry you want to move to. Okay. All right. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, Farah, your thoughts? Um, really, I agree with what Melanie had just said. I mean, look for the why. Why are you trying to, to change your career path? What's, what are your drivers? Uh, what's the trigger? I mean, just to, to make sure that you're not going somewhere that you're just idealizing. I mean, be realistic and also try to figure out, um, I would say, uh, how you would acquire knowledge. Uh, uh, how will you be able to acquire experience and if you can benefit from peers' experience or something. So try to figure out what's the why and then the how you're going to, to proceed into your new path. Mm, mm. I think that that's really important. You know, first of all, on the why side of things, um, it's really key to think about, you know, your true passion in life, because if you can find, you know, a role that reflects that true passion, then you're much more likely to succeed at it. You know, you should really kind of follow, you know, follow your instincts here a little bit. Okay, don't just be kind of thinking about chasing the dollar you know, around the world, it's actually really, really important to choose something to work at that you thoroughly enjoy. Um, Bev, what are your thoughts? And then we'll hear from Louisa. Um, I was just going to follow on and, and sort of say, when you're going for different roles and when you're making your, your inquiries, you're sort of selling yourself, but also that organisation or industry needs to sell itself back to you as well. And you should always think about what you really enjoyed about where you've come from um, and what are you expecting in where you're going. Um, and make sure it's it's compatible to where you are in your life in, in your life choices as well because it's very easy to sort of be sold on oh this is the culture we have here or this is what we mean by work life balance but really ask some questions you know like when when things get really tough what's the behaviors like um you know what are some of those things that that are those unspoken um, ground rules that you have in organisations? So when you just go through the whole process and you're doing your research, use your heart as well as your um, as your head um, to help you um, make some um, um, informed decisions. Yeah, it's such an important balance, isn't it, to get that rational thinking, but also the emotional side as well, because if you can't commit to something, you know, then it just becomes obvious to everybody else that you really are just kind of treading water with it. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Um, Louisa and then Melanie. Uh, I actually wished that someone had told me my career path isn't only going to be one path and that you're going to have multiple paths and you are going to change. And change is just part of what comes with a career path and that people got to understand on that path, there's going to be speed humps. There's going to be part of the path that has holes. There's going to be parts where you've got to pave yourself as well and that there's no right or wrong to it. And you've just got to be open to try what comes to you to figure out that path and that journey that you are going to go on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly true, isn't it? I think, I mean, about 100 years ago when I was at school, you, you know, the ch career choices were be a fireman, be a police person, be a, you know, be a lawyer, be a judge, you know, be a doctor, these kinds of things. So a very simplistic view on how we might spend our adult life. Now, in reality, in my generation, it's moved away from a single you know, um, uh, direction of travel, if you like, into a much more complex one. And I think for people who are early in their career, it's, it's likely to be even more so um, than it has been for my generation. So really great advice there. Thank you very much indeed, um, uh, Louisa. That's great. Melanie, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Louise, I love that analogy of pathways. Really, really good. Um, so thank you. Uh, for me, it's don't be too hard on yourself. And I think, you know, the, the, the statistics out there that actually what we tend to find, especially we've got an all-female panel here today, is that we tend to be the worst. So we'll see a job description and we think, oh, we can't do this, this, and this, and this. Whereas guys read it and they think, oh, yeah, I can do this, 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 and the rest I can, I can blag. So they tend to be more forthcoming in actually doing those career changes and doing it. Whereas actually my advice is you're better than you think you are. So go for it, you know. Know. and on that note I guess be a little bit resilient as well so when something doesn't go right just 
brush it off and move on because the opportunity is there. And what you tend to find is the people that tend to go for opportunity after opportunity and just keep going are the ones that have such a diverse career path and actually learn so much and actually are really incredible people. So take, for example, the security field. I tend to recruit from people that are outside of it, people from hospitality, because they've got a really good work ethic and they want to please. And for me, anybody who's wanting to please my clients and who's really willing to graft is a really good person. The skills that the the knowledge bit I can teach, but the sort of the, the acumen and the behavior side of it is slightly more tricky. So getting people from different backgrounds that don't necessarily have the, the skill sets and the knowledge is, is easily retrainable. And that's, you know, the whole point of what we do, what we do at APMG is those bits can be, can be added to just find the qualities in the people. I completely agree with that. Um, you know, it's one of the most important things that you can do as a manager is to hire people into your organization and if you hire on the basis of um you know attitude and aptitude uh, rather than necessarily having the skills that you're looking for that is key and the most delightful people that i have had had the pleasure to work with presented at interview without all of the boxes ticked all right the most delightful mm-hmm. and some of the most re- respected and the most um, successful individuals have come without all of those necessary things that were put down by the hiring team as the to the background of the individual and so i would say yeah absolutely right and i do agree with you melanie that you, you know supporting friends and colleagues in giving them that confidence is such an important element of our professional lives melanie you were you wanted to add something yeah, just two points there. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a role to encourage people to go forward for things and, and to push people to do it. But also from a HR, you know, in the cybersecurity space, there is, you know, arguably the skills shortage, just skills gap. And what you tend to have is HR people pushing out what they want and all the skills without actually sort of necessarily knowing the ins and outs of the job and the role. And it's really easy sometimes to push a recruitment piece onto a HR person rather than spending time saying, well, what do I want in an individual? What do I want that makes a good fit? And that good fit in the team you know is 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 more important than those qualifications or skills that are unachievable especially in the cyber security field when the expectation is for an entry role that you've got to have had five years experience in every every element of qualification under the sun it's not always needed um so just realistic i guess from a hr perspective of what you know what is needed and what do you need as your team yeah absolutely right and beth what's your experience in this area i was just going to say from a recruitment perspective um you know there's some sort of stock standard ways of screening and i think that lets a lot of these people that melanie's talking about slip through because they don't have the you know the one certification that's that has been put on the job description or as they said they don't tick every single bullet point on the job description so um you know, I, I would learn to do the screening yourself as a lead manager and, and um, really look between the words written on a CV and get to know that person and what that person's offering because quite often CVs are written to get us through that AI screening process and not the human element. And it's the human element we really bring into the, the organisation. So, you know, whether you're applying or whether you're actually in the process of bringing new people people into into your world um it's the human element that we look for every single time yeah i completely agree with that um farah what are your thoughts yeah i just wanted to add something um in regards to the hr or managers that are uh, within the viewers today just trust people give them trust um and this is from let's say personal experience by the time when I started my career, I applied for a job uh, that was related to managing a portfolio of a hundred plus projects. And I was a bit, let's say, uh, challenging myself and not confident in the manager that I had in front of me. Just looked me in the eyes and told me, Farah, I trust you. I know that you're going to do it. I know that you can do it. You have all the capabilities to do so. And it really helped me and inspired me and helped me to do the job the right way. Otherwise, if I have met, if I met, let's say, a manager that was a bit conspicuous or didn't, let's say, trust in me, it wouldn't have been exactly the same experience that I had. So one advice for me is trust the people and give them a chance. So uh, you, you never know whether they are going to do the job, uh, let's say, surprisingly well or not. 
that giving them that trust will help them into their mind and help them, let's say, do their best. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, the um, one of the things that organisations have been saying for a long time is that, you know, they're in this war for talent, all right, and they find it very difficult to compete and get the right people with the right skills and so on. And I think one... One thing that has been an unintended consequence of the whole movement towards e-recruitment and using text mining and machine learning to be able to scan hundreds and sometimes thousands of applications is that it becomes very formulaic and it becomes self-fulfilling. And hiring managers and teams end up being very prescriptive about the minimum requirements that they are actually looking for from people. Now, you can differentiate yourself in the market by putting that to one side and say up front that you are offering to invest in the very people that you are hiring, that you are not looking for the finished article, that you are actually trying to seek out those people with the right attitude, to Melanie's point, and the right commitment to learning that they can join your organization and bring something of themselves into it and enrich your organization in the right way. Because the other elements are really teachable, I would say. Okay. I think that you can harness that enthusiasm and you can really help people, you know, get a boost into their career. And you know what? Even if they don't retire from your organization after a 40 years of you know, fantastic service. If they leave a little earlier, they will leave as an ambassador for your business and uh, for your department or for your function. And they will forever speak about that moment of truth that to Farah's point, you trusted somebody and you brought them into your team and gave them place of uh, on that center stage, if you like, for everybody else to help them on their way. So very good. Thank you very much, panel. What a fantastic question um, that we got into. We kind of drilled down a little bit on that. So thank you very much indeed. Um, Suchita, if we can, let's move on. We'll take our next question. So another question from Wandi Moo. Do you think changing careers can be seen as running away from change rather than embracing it? Melanie, hmm. what are your thoughts? Are we scampering towards the horizon or are we actually well, doing something positive? Okay, so we'll come back to Melanie in a moment. We've got a bit of a technical glitch there. Um, Bev, your thoughts? Um, I think it really depends on what the change is when you're making that career move. I can tell you quite honestly that I have bolted out of the front door of organisations as fast as my little legs could carry me when um, it came to the third time I was going to be facing a, a bank merger and acquisition because I just thought, you know something, I've been there, I've done it twice, I have the scars, I'm not hanging around. Um, and I didn't want to embrace the change, but that was a really conscious decision. Um, so sometimes, yes, you you can see changing your career as as running uh, and I did change my career on the third time but also it makes you realize what you know and what you want and what you don't want and and that's perfectly fine if you're not getting what you need in your current change then embrace embrace the unknown and move forward because don't stay and get stale it's the worst thing for you Absolutely. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Melanie, I think we've fixed the gremlin. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on this? <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, so two things. Now, I, I don't see it as a bad thing in any way, shape or form. Uh, I mentioned the cybersecurity field, people change quite a lot. And people gen don't generally just move just for money. There's various different reasons why people stay with an organisation. And if they're enjoying their job and you're getting the most out of them, they will stay. However, if an opportunity to challenge themselves or give them greater experience, and going back to your point that being the greatest advocates let them go I've had a you know a few of our apprentices have gone and set up companies and it's like oh I'm so super proud and then we've had people leave who have then turned around opportunities they've gone they've had a bit of experience and they've come back again and that's been incredible because they just fit so nicely in so for me you know, as long as there is a reason why, is it to get more experience? Is it to challenge yourself? Is it because it's you know it's a it's a golden opportunity? Nobody should want to hold you back. 
be careful and mindful of being in a position where you're bartering with a company just to stay for money because there's a reason as to why you looked or there's a you know so just think about what is that reason because it doesn't always fix things just by having more money because that generally tends to be that you know there's more stress on you to stay there's more stress on the company to make it work and sometimes although you know rip off that that plaster make the move and and support it just try and be mindful that you're not leaving a nightmare behind be a really really good employee if you're going to do a lot of change and make sure that your systems are set up to hand over nicely do a handover agree to make yourself a bit available if they've got any questions and leave that door open as opposed to closing it behind you would be my advice yeah i completely agree with that how you exit an organization is part of your legacy so make sure that you're doing that in the spirit in which you joined them in the first place so completely agree with that thank you very much indeed melanie Mm -hmm. louisa your thoughts on this yeah, I'm definitely with the two ladies so far. It's definitely a positive. I think you are embracing the change. And so I think the big thing is we need to define the difference between a career and a job. Sometimes you actually need to run away from a job because you're not the right fit for the job and the job's not the right fit for you. Okay, one or the other. Because a job, a nine to five job for you to go in and do something is literally as per a job description that has, this is what you need to do. And you may not be the right fit and the company might also not be the right fit for you. So you might need to actually run away from that job. But the career itself to change, that's just something for you to embrace, that you're going to understand that there will be constant change in your career. So I think people need to understand what there is for a job and whether it's actually right for them to stay at a company to be in that job. And sometimes some people uh nicely to say, I would put, is you stay at a company and become dead wood, okay? And sometimes actually it's better for them to have actually left the company so that they're not branded as dead wood. So that change would have been better for them. It would have been better that they embraced change than it was for them to stay at a company and be dead wood. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, it's an interesting conundrum for us always, isn't it? It's about, you know, how you navigate through various employers and different roles and so on, you know, kind of throughout your working life. And of course, for many of us now, that working life is going to be a lot longer um, than it might have been, you know, for one generation, you know, before and so on. So um, every time I kind of think about, you know, is retirement on the horizon, um, I realise that people are living longer and actually, no, it isn't. (laughs) So it is a little bit further away. It's kind of almost as the close. It's like driving towards the horizon. You never quite arrived there. Anyway, never mind. Um, let's take our next question, Sajita, if we can. I think we can fit in one more. And uh, we have a question from Brian. Do you have any advice about how to change the culture of an organization? Okay, well, um, culture change is something that happens little by little, um, step by step, person by person, you know, moment by moment. Melanie, how do you go about getting cultural change to happen in an organisation? Fundamentally, really good communications, open, honest transparency, make sure that you've been inclusive, make sure you're listening to all of the opinions and views. Very often it's expecting that you're just going to drag people along with you and that's culture change. It isn't. It's getting buying, it's getting understanding. People understanding where your vision and your goal is and where you're going and how they can be a significant cog in that wheel to make that happen. And I think everybody needs to know. And it goes back to why do people stay? Because they feel a part of something. We like tribes, we like to be making a difference. And if you just feel that you're just a number that's not recognised, not significant, your voice doesn't count. And when you do speak up, it's ignored. So therefore, fundamentally, the, you know, the core to cultural change is bring people on board, be open, be honest, be transparent, show where your goals are and communicate with people on all levels. So that's, you know, whether it's face to face communications, various different ways of reinforcing what you're trying to do, why you're trying to do it, the values that you've got behind and just make sure that you're bringing people along for the journey rather than dragging them, uh, screaming and kicking because that doesn't make for good cultural change. Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Diane and then Beth. So cultural change can take a very long time to occur. So you may really want to assess whether you want to change your culture or just improve your existing culture. And if your decision is to actually change your culture, then you would need to revisit your core values. You would need to look at the cultural change that you want to implement and map out an implementation plan to do so. Okay, thank you very much indeed. And uh, Bev, your thoughts? 
My thoughts are where you possibly can. It needs to be something that's embraced. It's not driven from the top down or um, by consultants coming in. Um, so it's very much around the leaders needing to have the passion and to understand um, what is it that they that they think is required. And actually, um, it, it's something that everybody owns and is part of. And, and every little thing that we do consciously or unconsciously is either driving us to that culture or away from that culture. So I think it needs to be something that's completely embraced throughout the whole of the organisation. It's certainly something that takes a couple of years um, at, at, at the slowest, sorry, at the fastest end of the stick. Um, but it needs to be something that drives hearts and minds um, and makes people want to actually lean in and be part of um, and remove a lot of the obstacles along the way. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Um, Farah, your thoughts, then we'll go back to Melanie. Um, I will sound like I would say a broken record, but I would say exactly the same thing as for the previous questions. I mean, uh, look for the why. Why do you want to change? What's the reason behind your culture change? Uh, this might be really interesting for people to know well, what's your current state and what's your target and the reason why you need to move from one state to another. So my final advi advice on this one would be to share the reason why you need to change and why is the shift necessary for you so that people can be engaged and be involved rather than just follow a plan that someone from upper state or uh, from the upper management is telling them to do. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Final thoughts, Melanie? Yeah, just so cultural change tends to be needed in order to take a company forward so it doesn't stagnate and be able to, you know, Titchen on Bev's point, recognise if you're the ceiling of that. So I'm by default uh, an entrepreneur and I'm a control freak and I knew everything in the organisation, how to build the website, how to build the content, everything in between, but actually knew the cultural change for me was actually I needed to go to the point that was mentioned earlier about empower people, have trust in people, stand back and turn around and say, okay, I have beliefs, I have values, I'll share with them. I'd like those to be retained in my company, but actually for the culture to move forward, those individuals, that fresh blood, that innovative you know, side of things needs to come forward. So I kind of have to let go and hand over. Um, and my argument to be able to, how do you actually do that? Because by default, we're control freaks as, as entrepreneurs, as owners, is find something else you love. You know, for me, it was skydiving. So I was able to find something that took me away. And my team were, you know, forced to kind of just take take the reins and do and they have absolutely accelerated and it's, it's been incredible to watch but it's know that potentially you could be that ceiling you could be that blocker to change and turn around and say okay maybe it's time I, I stood back okay all right some great advice there from somebody who has been you know at the forefront of her organization and is guiding it through um several iterations as it grows and expands and starts to do some really amazing work at pace and at scale so excellent thank you very much indeed um let's go round our panel then get your kind of final remarks for today uh farah if you could start us off then we'll hear from bev Well, we had really excellent and amazing question today. So thanks for uh, the panel's answers because I learned a lot this time as well. Uh, and for the viewers for the questions. Um, my final talk on this would be never say you can do something. Uh, you can always learn so and always seek for knowledge. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Bev and then Diane. Um, thanks, everyone. I've really enjoyed the session today. Um, it's coming to the end of our year, so it's all about replanning and repurposing goals uh, for me moving into January. So um, one of the things I'm committing myself to is the refresh of the, um, the Change Management Institute's body of knowledge and having a look at what are some of those skills that I can take forward into the new year. So I wish everyone the best of luck and come up with a new skill yourself for next year. Okay, excellent. Great advice. Thank you very much indeed, Bev. Uh, Diane and then Melanie. So lots of very interesting and inspiring questions indeed. And I think one of the underlying theme was that looking back helps your view going forward to be much clearer. So I really enjoyed today's episode. And just to say to Nick, APMG International and the participants, season's greetings and best wishes to the new year. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Diane. We really appreciate that. Uh, Melanie, please, and then Louisa. 
Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. It's been a great episode. Fantastic women to, to be on the panel with yourself, of course, Nick. Um, so for me, it's it's very much a beautiful opportunities because, you know, these career changes, all these things happen because you open your eyes to, but don't overcommit because it's really, really easy to do everything and lose time for yourself. So make sure that you're open to yourself, the things you love, the passions you have. If you can combine those with work, great, but make sure that you have that balance and, and you keep your life pretty leveled as well. So yeah, keep open to opportunities and enjoy uh, 2023. Thank you very much indeed, Louise. And then Suchitra. I love today's session. It's been awesome. And uh, during this time of the year, most people like to set themselves goals. We like to look at the new year and we start to think about all the things that we want to do next year. But we seem to like to set ourselves up for failure rather than setting ourselves up for success. I would always say try and set yourself up a goal that you think is actually achievable. And don't make it something so huge that come 12 months later, you never even touched on it. So make a bite-sized goal. Make it something that you know it's possible to actually achieve and to just start small. You don't have to always think so big with a goal. Absolutely right. It's great advice. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Suchitra, final thoughts? Oh, I love today's episode, Nick, and thank you to all the fans. It's been a great roundup for 2022 and wishing everyone a great festive period as well. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much to everybody who's joined us online from the north of Scotland to the warmth of Perth in Western Australia from um, um, the, the <clears throat> eclectic mix of questions that everybody has put forward <laughs> into the chat. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you very much. You are the producers, of course, of the show. So thank you. And thank you, panel, um, on behalf of everybody who is joining us online for sharing your time so generously with us all today. Now, looking forward, um, we have just one more episode, actually, of Level Up coming up uh, for 2022, which is this Friday's episode, um, which is more in the kind of um, same theme, actually, but looking going to be looking at more at the uh, European time zone and also for our colleagues who are over in the Americas. So do join us, um, 2 p.m., that's uh, GMT uh, on this Friday, um, to be able to do that. Um, you can, of course, um, look up the answers to the questions that we were talking about a little bit earlier on the APMG International website. And of course, if you subscribe to the show, then we'll send you a personal summary of what's coming up so that you too can join us here on the panel and level up your career with APMG. Happy Christmas, everybody. Have a great time and we'll see you in the new year. Thank you. Bye-bye now.